morning. Hey, before we start, Miss Jan has uh, misplaced her keys. You still looking for Miss Jan? Okay, if you find some keys, they're probably Miss Jan's, all right? Uh, so get them to her. Let's all stand this morning, and uh, there's joy in the house of the Lord, amen? Let's sing it together, all right? Here we go. Put your hands together. Come on, put, help me out. Put your hands together.
Chris is going to lead us in this great old hymn. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Amen. Let's sing it together.
take just a moment, if you would. Uh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So everybody notify your face that you're saved. Everybody smile at me. Don't sit down quite yet. You're going to tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning. Amen. So shake a hand, hug a neck, tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning.
ahead and say amen. amen. All right, you can be seated. I got just a, a few announcements for you. Uh, first of all, do we have any first time or second time visitors today? We don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to get a record of your visit. Amen. Glad to see you all today. Uh, Brother Gary's got a communication card. Just fill that out and put it in the, uh, in the uh, offering basket on your way out today. So glad you all are here today. Good looking family there. Amen. Anybody else today? All right. All the rest are home folk. It's good to see everybody this morning. Just a few things. Don't forget, we always have uh, on Wednesday, have a full slate of things. Wednesday morning Bible study, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Uh, please come and have a great time with us. And then Wednesday night services, we always have a full dinner at 6 p.m. on uh, Wednesday night. Miss Mary fixes it for you. Give Miss Mary a big hand. Always a wonderful meal. Then at 7 o'clock, we divide up the youth meet in here, have a youth service. Kids meet in the middle, have a kids service, and the adults, we do Bible study in the fellowship hall. And don't forget also Sunday school on Sunday morning. Come an hour earlier, and uh, we have uh, Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. Um, don't forget about giving. You, uh, giving can be done the old-fashioned way. We've got envelopes over there, and you can put cash or write a check, put that in there. But we also have giving online now. You can go to giving.landmarktyler.com. You set it up one time, and then it's really, really easy after that, okay? Uh, so, um, and then, man, there's a lot going on. Today is Palm Sunday, if you didn't know that. This represents the day, you remember Jesus rode in on the donkey, and they were waving the palm branches, saying, Hosanna, a glory to God in the highest. Uh, next Sunday will be a big day. Anybody know what next Sunday is? Easter Sunday, amen. And we are going to have a big day. We're going to have a wonderful thing. We're going to have a big kids, uh, the world's largest kids Easter egg hunt. What do we, uh, what do we need on that, Miss Cindy? We need candy to fill the eggs with. Yes, we, we have the eggs, but we need to fill them with candy, all right? So bring some candy. No chocolate wrapped candy. No chocolate and wrapped candy. If you bring chocolate, bring it straight to me, okay? I'll, ta I'll take care of the chocolate and... Uh, no, the chocolate melts in the eggs, so that's kind of why we don't really want chocolate. But bring ra individually wrapped candy, small candy that will fit inside of a little egg, right? And uh, the kids will be doing that. So invite somebody. Uh, we are going to have, uh, for all the visitors, we'll give a free movie ticket to Times Square Cinema. And you get a free movie ticket, too, for bringing them. So uh, bring lots of visitors with you next week. And then the next Sunday, after we get through with Easter Sunday, that'll be such a big day, and we'll invite all those once-a-year people uh, to come back the next Sunday for Revival, because Revival starts the Yay. next Sunday, all right? And uh, Brother Herman Kramer is coming back. If you weren't here last year, you missed it, and you don't need to miss it this year, amen? Brother Herman Kramer will be here Sunday through Wednesday, April 24th through 27th. And uh, after uh, the morning service, we're going to have a big... Uh, free lunch for everybody so if you feed them they will come so uh, a free food on that Sunday and then we're gonna have food trucks here every single night uh, that uh, will be here around 530 so you can come straight from work eat supper here and then the services will be at seven o'clock all right and Herman Kramer oh and we got the Floyd boys quartets gonna be here again amen Ow! Uh, the world-famous fabulous freakish uh, Floyd was every every other one of those words you can think of all right um, and they're a hoot uh, I don't know how good the singing will be but it will be a fun time amen so come each night all right and then the life recovery class uh, brother Tracy Cantlin is doing that every Sunday afternoon if you struggle uh, and everybody in here struggles whether we admit it or not uh, come and it's a great place it's a share group and they're working through a, a workbook so that's at two o'clock on Sunday afternoons come and do that
Oh, okay, that's all right. Okay, so two weeks off? Yes. Okay. Well, actually, it might be three because my daughter. Okay. All right. Two weeks off. We'll, we'll inform you when we're kicking back in with that again, okay? All right. I think that is uh, everything. Amen. So uh, let's, uh, you, you can remain seated and we're going to sing. Uh, Brother Chris is going to sing for us, Glorious Day, Living He Loved Me. Yeah. 
says, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled in his glory. Let's sing this together.
offering. Father, you are holy. We worship you this morning, God. You are worthy. You are worthy of our praise this morning, God. Lord, we know Jesus as we celebrate today and next Sunday, Father. In the flesh, how hard it was to want to go through your death. But you knew in the spirit the will of the Father was what you had to do. We can't understand the unconditional love you have for us, Father. But we just thank you for giving us life, for loving us. So now as we take time to open your word, Father, I just pray that you would just speak to each of us individually, God. You know we are in different places today, Father. And just let your will be done in our hearts today that we will be more like you, Jesus. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering this morning, amen. Amen. If you've got kids uh, to go to Children's Church this morning, uh, you can send them on that way. Miss Cindy and her crew will meet them. Give all of our Children's Church workers a big hand, uh, taking care of our kids in such a good way. And uh, thank you all so much. Don't forget, again, invite somebody and invite somebody with kids. We want to have a ton of kids uh, for Easter Sunday to participate in the, in the Easter egg hunt and all that. Amen. All right. Well, Palm Sunday today. Now, as you can see, things look a little different up here today. And uh, we're going to take communion, the Lord's Supper today. And uh, we wanted to do that on Palm Sunday as we get ready. Because really what I'd like for you to do when you leave today is to have on your mind and set your mind for all week long of remembering what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Uh, this, this represents the week that uh, today represents the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey and everybody went from uh, waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest, to just a few days later shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And we were reading a devotional. We always pray with the, with the praise band before we start. And the devotional talked about, you know, as Jesus rode in on that donkey, he knew exactly what was going to happen that week. He knew as he rode on that donkey, and he knew that as those people were shouting praises, that he knew that just a few days later they'd be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. He knew what was coming, yet he did it anyway, and he went to that cross for you and for me. I always encourage you, uh, you know, during this time of year, you'll see some shows on TV that you won't see any other time. In fact, I was watching, uh, I believe it was last night, the Ten Commandments was on. Did anybody see the Ten Commandments, the old one with the... Uh, Yul Brenner and uh, Charlton Heston, and uh, that's, a, that's a great one. Uh, but then this week, probably several times, you will be able to watch The Passion of the Christ. And uh, I always try to, once a year, go back during this week and watch The Passion. It's a hard, that's a hard movie to watch because it is, uh, and even that doesn't even begin to really give us a, a picture of what the Lord went through, but it's about as close as we've got. And so uh, just 
just to remind ourselves of the great price that was paid for your salvation, for my salvation. I don't deserve salvation. I can't earn my salvation, and neither can you. Amen? And it's only because the Lord Jesus gave of himself and became that sacrifice for you and for me that we have any hope. I wanted to concentrate today, uh, before we take the Lord's Supper at the end, uh, just kind of go over some things that happened on that cross. And as we lead up to the cross, I'm mainly going to talk about the words that Jesus said right before he passed, and that was the words, it is finished. Let's say that together if you would. It is finished. One more time. It is finished. Now, that was what kind of the last words of Jesus. What did Jesus mean by it is finished? And so that's where we're going to kind of concentrate today, that the Lord did it for us, and there was a plan if you're looking for plans A, B, and C in the Bible of salvation, they're not in there. It's a one-step plan, and there's only one plan. All roads do not lead to heaven. There was one plan of salvation. God sent his son. You can go back to the very first verse probably most of us learn. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son. Amen. So it goes back to even that very first verse probably that you and I learned. And uh, it's not because of anything you do. That is the only plan of salvation. There's not any other road that leads to heaven. In fact, the Bible is very clear that talks about there's one gate. And if you try to enter through another gate, then you are an imposter. Amen. There is only one gate that leads into heaven. There's one road that leads to heaven. And that salvation is through Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. So first scripture, uh, if you would, get your Bibles and uh, go with me to John chapter 19. Verses 28 through 30, it says this, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, and they put it on hyssop, and they put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, this is a very interesting verse because why did Jesus do this? Why did he say at this very point in time, I thirst? Because Jesus is hanging on that cross and he knows that all of the prophecies about the crucifixion have been fulfilled except one. There's only one uh, prophecy that has not been fulfilled and it's this one that's about to happen. So Jesus said, Jesus knows this. And he said, in order to, for everything to be completed and accomplished and for every prophecy to be fulfilled, he knows this last one has to be fulfilled. So Jesus says, I thirst. And he knows that they're going to give him sour wine. But guess what? They didn't know that. But they, they were trying to, it was one last act of humiliation. They had humiliated Jesus Christ as much as they could. They'd beaten him. They'd torn his clothes off. They'd beaten him to a pulp. They'd spit in his face. They'd ripped the hair out of his beard. They'd shoved a crown of thorns down upon his head. And one of the last acts of humiliation, he says, I'm thirsty. Well, if you're hanging on a cross and you're, you're thirsty and you want kind of your last drink, you want a drink of water. But their last act of humiliation was, well, we got this sour wine over here, basically vinegar. So imagine if you're thirsty and your, your, your throat is parched, and somebody says, well, here, drink this, and you think you're going to take a drink of water. Instead, it's a, it's a glass of vinegar. It's sour wine, soured wine. And so Jesus knows what it's going to be, but he knows that this prophecy has to be fulfilled. So they think 
again, what the enemy means for evil, God turns it around for good. So they get this hyssop plant, and they dip it in the sour wine, and they stick it up to his mouth. And Jesus knows what it is, but he takes a drink of it. And when he takes that drink, he knows everything has been fulfilled now. Every prophecy has been fulfilled. And that's why he says, knowing, that's why the scripture says, with the verse there says, knowing it was accomplished. He knew everything was, and so at that point, once he takes the drink of the sour wine, he says, it is finished. In other words, it's accomplished. Everything has been fulfilled. Pretty amazing, isn't it? That Jesus Christ knew this last thing has to be done. And so I cannot, the task is not finished until this happens. Amen. And so um, the Greek word that he uses for it is finished is a Greek word called tetelestai. And here's what it means. To end, to complete, or to discharge a debt. And we used to sing uh, back in the old days and in uh, vacation Bible school days. Remember the song, he paid a debt he did not owe, and I owed a debt I could not pay, and I needed someone to wash my sins away. And then it says, Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Tetelestai, to end, to discharge a debt. Your debt is paid in full. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins in full, and he said, the debt is paid. Your debt's paid. That's why I can say today unequivocally, everybody in this room, your sins are paid for. The question is, have you accepted that or not? Jesus Christ did that unequivocally for all mankind, died on the cross for our sins. So everybody in this room, your sins are paid for. But guess what? I can go down to the grocery store and somebody can say, Brother Mark, you had a, you had a debt here of a $200, but guess what? Uh, Brian Scarborough came in and he paid that debt for you. Now, I have a choice at that point. I can say, well, that's wonderful. Uh, man, I, I don't know why Brian did that, but I am thankful that he did that. I accept that debt being paid. Or I can go in and say, Brian Scarborough, I, I don't, I'm not going to accept that. I pay my own debts. You take that away, and I want to pay my own debt. I, I have that right to refuse it, to refuse what Brian did for me. All right? And in the same way, Jesus Christ has paid the debt for your sins, but you have to either accept it or reject it. And you say, well, I haven't rejected it. If you didn't accept it, then what have you done? You've rejected it, all right? So if we, all of us have that choice in this room. And if you've not accepted that today, if you're trying to get to heaven on your own or you're trying to be good enough, i got bad news for you. You will never be good enough. I will never be good enough. There is no place in the Bible that talks about a set of weights that hopefully your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds. There is no place in the Bible. If you think you can find it, go find it and come show it to me, all right? There's no place in the Bible. That's cartoon theology, all right? And so we need to understand, Jesus Christ, his blood is the only thing that can pay for your sins and my sins, all right? Um, so basically, Jesus said, I have finished. The debt is paid in full. The sacrificial lamb has paid the price because the lamb was perfect and without blemish. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus Christ finished the plan of salvation, and he changed history. He literally changed history. And guess what? When he died on that cross, some 2,000 years later, a 15-year-old Mark Trammell, it changed the course of his life. I could dare say for most of us in this room, when you met Jesus, it changed the course of your life. It changed not only mankind's history, but it changed your personal history when he paid for your sins and my sins. Amen? All right. We have, so Jesus did everything that the Father asked him to do, but the question is, have you done everything the Father has asked you to do? 
You see, Jesus lived his life. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to die on that cross, and he knew that at the age of 33, he was going to die. You and I, we're still here. So when Jesus said, it is finished, and it says he gave up the spirit, then he knew he had completed everything the Father had asked him to do. I'm going to ask you this. Have you done everything the Lord's asked you to do? If you were to die right now, today, this very moment, have you done everything that the Lord has asked you to do? Jesus could unequivocally say, Lord, I have done it all. I followed you to the very end, and I have finished the race. I have finished what you've called me to do. So here's what I'm going to tell you today. Because everybody in this room is still breathing, I'm going to tell everybody in this room, you have unfinished business. Because my guess is probably everybody in this room would say, no, I haven't done everything the Lord asked me to do. Maybe I've done a lot of things. Maybe I've done some things the Lord's asked me to do. But there's some unfinished business. There's things that I've yet to do that the Lord has asked me to do. And because it can be for a lot of reasons. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's because somebody hurts you and you, you just don't want to give that forgiveness or you don't want to face it or you don't want to bring up all these old bad memories. And so you just kind of shove it down and you shove it inside of you. What happens if you keep taking all that bitterness and that anger and that resentment and you keep shoving it down and shoving it down and shoving it down? Guess what? It's like a stick of dynamite, amen? And one day it's going to blow up. All right, and so we need to understand the Lord has called us to do some things. And I'm going to ask you today, what is your unfinished business? Uh, Revelations chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says this, And the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that, uh, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. The Lord says, you seem to be alive, you're breathing, there's breath in your lungs, but guess what? Many of you, you're spiritually dead. Many of you, there are things in your life, you have allowed those things to die. Have you ever had the Spirit of God? You remember after you first got saved? Remember how excited you were? Remember how you just couldn't wait to tell other people and there was that joy and there was that excitement and there was that exuberance that came with being saved. And I remember I got up, you know, I was kneeling at uh, my home church. Again, I was 15 years old. And when I got up, it was like the weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders. And I felt like somebody had just washed me completely clean. And I couldn't wait to tell him. But guess what? Guess what happens? We lose that joy. We lose that excitement. The devil comes in and he starts to lie to us. And he starts to say, oh, that ain't real. And you can't live like that all the time. And he starts to steal your joy. And again, what is the job of the devil? To steal, kill, and destroy. And that he starts very early. The minute you get saved, the devil goes to work to steal it, to kill it, and to destroy it. He doesn't want that joy. He can't have your soul back. But he can rob you of all the excitement. He can steal all the joy and the exuberance. He can steal all of that away from you. All right? So, um, let's see. Um, identify your unfinished business. Let me just see if I can hit some nerves here. Preacher, why do you do that? Uh, that's my job, amen? My job is to hit nerves, amen? So, some of you come up. I've had people come up after I preach many times. They say, I, are you sure you weren't talking about me? Because I, I, I swear my wife must have said something to you or my husband must have said something to you or did you come over to my house and read my mail, amen? And no, that's the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows and that's why the word of God is so powerful. 
the word of God becomes, it reads your mail, and it knows exactly what you're dealing with. It knows exactly what I'm dealing with. And its job of the, of, through the word and the Holy Spirit is to come and convict you and to convict me, amen, of that unfinished business. So, so let me see if I can hit a few nerves here. Uh, what about forgiving that person that hurt you? Well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, that's true, but it doesn't really matter what they did to you. That bitterness and that unforgiveness is eating you alive. It's a poison inside of you, isn't it? When we refuse to do forget it. Well, Brother Mark, and maybe you would say this, well, I would forgive them, but they wouldn't forgive me or they wouldn't accept my forgiveness. Listen, that's, that has nothing to do with anything. It's not your job. You can only control one person, and that's you. And so whatever the Lord's telling you to do, that's what you need to do. You need to deal with the end of it that God gave you. It's not your concern whether they accept that forgiveness or whether they return that forgiveness. That's between God and them. Your job is to do what God tells you to do. If I go to somebody and I say, brother, I've wronged you, would you please forgive me? And they say, no, I would never forgive you because what you did to me was terrible and I will go to my grave not forgiving you. I say, well, I hate, I hate that that's the way it is. But I want you to know I am, I'm asking you for your forgiveness, and I'm giving you forgiveness in my life, and I am washing my hands of it, and I'm done with this. I'm not going to have any more bitterness in my life. And guess what? I can walk away from that meeting and say, God, I did what you asked me to do. And I want to pray for that person that did not forgive me. I want to pray for that person on the other side of that. But guess what? Lord, I have done what you asked me to do. That's a wonderful feeling to be able to say, Lord, I have done what you asked me to do unfinished business some of you need to go you need to make that phone call you need to send that text i wouldn't send a text those kind of things need to be done face to face amen but go to that person and say you know what i'm forgiving you whether whether there's forgiveness coming back or not i want you to know god has told me to do this all right okay uh forgive somebody restore a relationship many of you guess what family is an interesting thing isn't it how many of you got family that you go brother mark my family is a tough one amen and uh but guess what many of you but and i know this because i've talked with many of you there are strained relationships in your family many of you, you got brothers and sisters you've not talked to in a long time many of you may have a mom or a daddy that you've not talked to in a long time many of you may have uh close loved ones close friends that something happened and that relationship has been broken. You know what the Bible says that God came for? The, the Christ came to reconcile God to man. He, was, he had the ministry of reconciliation. And then the Bible goes on to say that he came to give you this ministry of reconciliation. So your job is to be reconciled to all your brothers and sisters in Christ and to be reconciled. Now, again, you might say to me, well, you don't know what they did to me or they will not, they will not reciprocate that. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to do your best to restore that relationship no matter what. Do your part. Do your end. I can't control what the other person does. You can't control what the other person does. But you can control what you do and what God has called you to do. Okay? All right. Now, many people start strong, but they don't finish strong. Uh, anybody here ever run a marathon? I'm getting my hand down real quick. Have you run a marathon? About 100 pounds ago. <laughs> Amen. I hear you. Uh, brother, that's, that's, that's tough stuff, isn't it? 
And what you, what you understand about a marathon is everybody starts together and everybody starts strong. When the gun goes off, man, you watch that New York marathon or the Boston marathon and just thousands and thousands of people, and everybody starts on an even plane. Amen? But what happens when you get about 10 miles down the road? All of a sudden, where'd everybody go? Amen? There's some out front, and there's a few behind them, and then maybe there's a, a larger group kind of in the middle, and then there's a real large group at the back of the pack. Amen? Because not everybody can run. You know, those, those ones that run that, uh, you know, four hours or less, uh, 26 miles, uh, that, those are few and far between, so uh, most of them are at the back of the pack. So everybody starts strong, but the question is not how do you start. Listen, we were all born on an even playing field. I was born, you were born, now we were all born sinners, right? We were all born with a sinful nature. Uh, but we were all born with kind of the same opportunities. Day one of your life, you had all the opportunities that anybody else in life had. And you said, well, you know, I wasn't born into this or born into that. But listen. Whatever you do, whatever you uh, dreams you had, God could have helped you fulfill them. Amen. We all started on an even playing field, but what happened was was the choices we make begin to alter the playing field. Uh, many times, it's uh, it's what are the choices we make? Did we make the right choices in life? Uh, you know, if I wanted to do more with my life, maybe I should have studied this more. Maybe I should have worked harder at this, or maybe I should have been a better student, or maybe I should have done these things in my life. If I wanted to have a stronger family, then I should have set in my mind to be a better father and a better husband and a better mom and a better mother, amen, and a better wife, all right? So uh, it's not how you start, it's how you finish, all right? Um, so I'm going to give you two things, and then we'll be done. Uh, how to finish strong. Number one, make a commitment. Make a commitment, all right? Society says don't commit. You need to keep your options open. Don't tie yourself down. Don't commit to anything because if you commit to something, that's why, you know what happens around here at church? You even see this at church. We'll put a sign-up sheet out there at the table for something, uh, for people to work on or do something, and uh, nobody will sign that sign-up sheet, or a few people will only sign that sign-up sheet at the beginning, and then a lot of people will come and sign up at the last minute. Why is that? Well, I want to keep my options open. I, I don't know what else may be going on that day. I may, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to quite commit because something better might come along. That's just kind of, the, and I'm, I'm not dogging on anybody. I'm just saying that's, that's our culture. That's the way we operate these days. Our lives are so busy. Our lives are so hectic that we're afraid to commit to anything because we're afraid something better might come along or I might have a better, you know, a better invite come along and I might have to do that that day. So we're afraid of commitment. But number one, make a commitment. Um, scripture for this is uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 11. It says this. It says, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. In other words, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. How many of you remember the days when a handshake was as good as a contract? Do you do that these days? Only if it's somebody you know really, really well. Amen. As the old saying goes, you better get it in writing, amen, because a handshake these days doesn't mean a whole lot. But the Bible has very specific uh, directions on this, and it's if you say yes, let your yes be yes. But also, if you say no, that, you know, it's not, sometimes you need to say no. Sometimes the best thing to do is to say no. If you're overcommitted, overextended, and you need to spend time with your family, sometimes the best word you can learn is no, 
all right? But whatever you do, make a commitment to it and say, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Don't, in other words, don't be wishy-washy. Uh-oh, hit the nerve again, amen? Why? Because the Bible talks about that. You know the, the scripture talks about how a double-minded man is like something in the wind and it, he blows him this way and blows him that way? Don't be that way. Don't be wishy-washy. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no, all right? Uh, Jesus committed to follow through the cross no matter what. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, the last thing that happens before they come and get him to take him to the crucifixion is that he prayed to the Lord, and he he said, Lord, if there be any way, let this cup pass from me. He said, if there be any any other way to do this, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He committed all the way. Even, even though he knew exactly what was coming, he knew exactly what was going to be facing him down the road. He knew, and he made the commitment to do it. Luke twenty two forty two says this, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. All right? Uh, the number two thing is to take the next step. Step across the line, make a commitment, and then do whatever it takes to take the next step. All right, uh, Acts twenty twenty four says this, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I don't count my life as dear to myself. I want to finish the race with joy. It's not how you start the marathon. It's how you finish the marathon. Amen. The things that God has asked you to do. And it starts with salvation. Have you surrendered yourself to Jesus Christ? If you've never surrendered yourself to Jesus Christ, I know many people that spend their entire lives trying to be good enough. You will never be good enough. I know people that spend their entire lives trying to do good deeds. Your good deeds will never outweigh your bad deeds. It doesn't work that way. I know many people who spend their entire life uh, just trying to be a good moral person. It's a sad fact, but according to the Bible, many good moral people will end up in hell. Why? Because Because God doesn't love them or God's a mean God? No, because they simply rejected their son, his son, Jesus Christ. God said, I sent my son. I gave you a way out. I gave you a way so that no one has to go to hell, but yet you did nothing with him. You've heard me say this many times before. The question that will be asked of you in heaven will not be how good a person you were, how many good deeds do you do. There's going to be one question. It's what did you do with my son, Jesus? That's the only question that matters. What did you do with my son, Jesus? You would bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, if I were to die right now, I'm not sure which way I'd go. Listen, you need to get that settled today. And it's as simple, he is as close as a prayer away. So I want to lead you in that. Or if you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I, I got saved a long time ago, but I've wandered far away from the Lord. I'm not living for the Lord. You can say this prayer is a prayer of recommitment. And I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. If you've, you've never, never prayed that prayer or it's been a long time or you have wandered far away from the Lord, just pray this prayer in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. And just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And right now, Lord, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. 
come into my heart. Save me, Lord Jesus. Have you prayed that prayer today? I don't want to embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. Have you prayed that prayer today for the first time or as a prayer of recommitment? Uh, would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Anybody in this room? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. So I want to ask you to do something. We're going to pray and have a, a time of just prayer. And I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to ask you if you raise your hand just now, if you would just come and, and just uh, tell me, Brother Mark, I prayed that prayer because I'd like to pray for you and just pray that the Lord would uh, do something in your heart, in your life, in your mind, in your spirit. And then I want you to prepare your, also use this time to prepare your heart for as we take the Lord's Supper. Because the Bible talks about not taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. If there's something that you need to pray about, you need to ask forgiveness about, or you need to do business with the Lord before we take the Lord's Supper, now is your time to do that as we have an altar call. Dear Jesus, would you have your will and your way during this time, Lord? Speak into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? And the altar is open. And if you prayed that prayer and you raised your hand, come, come see me if you would for just a second. Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, I just uh, want to just uh, introduce somebody to y'all. Uh, we prayed that prayer just a moment ago. My brother Dylan, who I just met this morning, uh, prayed that prayer. And he, he had the boldness to come forward and say, Brother Mark, I prayed that prayer today for the first time and asked Jesus into my heart. Amen. And so, Brother Dylan, we love you. We love you. So. You be sure and encourage Brother Dylan in that decision. That takes a lot of boldness to do that. Amen. And Brother Bill, I look forward to getting to know you even better. Amen. And uh, so we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper right now. If you would be seated. And uh, I'm going to ask our deacons that are helping with the uh, Lord's Supper.
if y'all would come forward. This is something you're not familiar with or you've never uh, done it before. Uh, Julie's going to play while we do this, but uh, there are two elements. There's the bread and the juice. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for you and for me. And we do that, uh, as you'll see, that we'll do that in remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. So we're going to pass out the bread first. Everybody get a piece of bread and just hold on to it. And then we will all take of it together. And then the second part, we'll, after that, we'll pass out uh, the cup of juice that represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled for you and me on the cross. And again, just take that, hold on to it. And then uh, once everybody gets served, we'll all partake of it together. All right. So uh, this is a time to just remember the great price that was paid for you and for me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless the bread first, and then we're going to pass that out first. All right. If you would pray with me. Father, we love you today. We just thank you for the opportunity to remember what you did for us on that cross so long ago. And, Lord, I just pray for this bread. Uh, God, as it represents your body that was broken for us, Lord, I pray that, God, you would help us to be mindful of, uh, God, everything that was done to you, Lord, that your body was, uh, was broken and was pierced for our transgressions and for our sins, and that, Lord, by your stripes we are healed and by uh, the cross we are healed, God. And I pray that, Lord, you would just uh, let this be a very special time today as we remember what you did for us. Bless this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, the guys are going to pass out the bread, and then we'll all partake together.
Bible says that after this in the upper room that uh, Jesus blessed the bread, then he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance. the juice. Father, we just pray, God, now that you would bless this juice as we partake in it, God, as it represents your blood, your precious blood that was spilled for us, Lord. We thank you that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So, Lord, we thank you for what this represents in your precious blood that was spilled to cover the sins of all of us in this room. We ask that you bless this time as we remember that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to pass out the juice now.
It says, uh, Jesus blessed the wine. He said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And it says, after they had done this, they sang a hymn. Let's sing uh, Kia G. Let's do Amazing Grace. Let's sing it together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am blind but now I see God bless you I hope you have a great rest of your day you are dismissed Amen. don't forget Easter next Sunday pass your cups uh, to the end of the aisle if you would and our guys will pick them up alright <laughs>